Hey, oh gosh, that's me in it. Quit messing with it. Good morning. It's good to see you. My name is Kyle Connell. I serve as missions and college young adults at our Lewis Center campus. And man, it's a joy to be back with you this morning. I was able to be here this summer a couple of times, uh, filling in for Corey. I'm grateful that he can be home with his family and I enjoy Thanksgiving with them. And so, man, it's good to be back. It's good to see some familiar faces. And I just am excited to be here. I hear all the time in staff meeting what God's doing here, how he's blessing Plain City, and what a great staff you have. We're so grateful for them. But man, it's good to just be with you this morning. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, let me invite you to turn there. We're going to look at one sentence with profound implications, I think. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. It says this, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. One sentence with profound implications. The first thing we see Paul, first thing we see God tell Paul is this, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent can't see you. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Say it with me. Do not be afraid. Go on speaking and do not be silent. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. What is Paul saying? He's saying, do not be afraid. Go on speaking. Do not be silent. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we have to tell people about Jesus. So why don't we? Well, I think Paul answers that question right here in verse 18. He says, do not be afraid. I think fear is one of the biggest reasons why we don't share the gospel, why we don't share our faith with other people, right? Fear in its simplest form is a temporary loss of perspective. Here's what I mean by that. It's easy to focus on how someone's going to respond to the gospel and forget about the fact of what we're sharing is the most important news that they're ever going to hear. Right? We forget how much Christ desires a relationship with someone. We're more worried about what the response is going to be. Are we going to get slapped in the face or spit on? Are people not going to like us anymore? Instead of thinking about what we're actually sharing with them. Think about this. Anybody been to New York City before? Chicago, a big city where they have these real tall skyscrapers. Right? And man, you can tell who the visitors are in these cities right? because they just walk around like this. The whole time, they're taking pictures, they're stopping, they're just in awe of these skyscrapers. They're amazed by the Empire State Building, and, and right, they're just constantly looking up. But you can tell who people live in New York because they just walk around like this, right? And they'll just run into you, and they don't even care because they've lost perspective on where they are. And as believers, I think, unfortunately, some of us have done that. We've forgotten who we are in Christ, and we just walk around doing our everyday life thinking that we can do everything on our own, and we've lost perspective. Carl F. Henry said this, the gospel means good news, but it's only good news if it gets to someone in time. Where are you afraid to share the gospel? Where are you afraid to tell people about Jesus? Where has man squelched your boldness? Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in a hobby that you have where you're around people. Have you ever regretted not sharing the gospel? Have you ever like gotten off an airplane and thought, Hmm, maybe could have shared, the, shared something with that person sitting beside me for the last hour, 17 hours. Have you ever left a job 
to take a new one and thought, man, I really missed some opportunities there to share the gospel with some of my coworkers. Have you ever, do you know who your neighbors are? Better yet, do your neighbors know you? Uh, listen, I'm not saying that you have to share Jesus with them every time that you see them, but they should at least know who you are in Christ. You have an opportunity to invite them to various things, invite them to church. If you have kids, invite them to Life Point Kids. We've got phenomenal ministry here, right? We've got cards as you leave today to invite them to Christmas Eve service, yard signs. You don't even have to say anything. Just put it in your yard. Be a witness, right? We have opportunities all around us. I was in the car shop this week, had to get our, our brakes fixed. Thankfully, they were under warranty, but that was on another note. But while I was there, I, when I came in, there was this lady at the car dealership, and she was just irate. She, I don't know what they did, but she was not happy. And she would let them know that. And when they were done, I just found it in my heart, I just need to encourage these guys. We love these guys. They're great guys. And I just said, man, y'all are awesome. We appreciate everything y'all do for us. It doesn't even have to be the gospel. It can just be an encouragement. You can just pray for people. Be aware of those people that are around us. Listen, is it wrong to be afraid? I don't think it is. Here, here's Paul, right, who wrote half of the New Testament, who is clearly not afraid, and yet Jesus tells him, do not be afraid. Why would he tell him that unless he was afraid? Sorry, man. It's rubbing. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, Paul said this, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my messages were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that my faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul is not dependent upon himself. He's dependent on God. And we must be dependent on Christ, right? We cannot stay silent because that shows dependence on ourselves. We've got to be willing to speak with courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's rather doing the very thing that you do fear. I remember this with my kids, especially my daughter, Kennedy, who's now 11. But when she was little, she was terrified of the water, right? Just We would put floaties on her, good, responsible parents. We didn't want her to drown or to die. So we put floaters on her, and she'd get in the water. But, man, if you attempted to put her head under the water, she'd just scream bloody murder. She did not like it. And I remember one time we were at a hotel. We forgot the floaties, right? And so she's just got a death grip on me. Like, we're walking around the pool, and you can just, like, there's no way I'm, that I can even get her off of me. And so just gradually we kind of, you know, every once in a while I'll throw her, like, a whole, you know, she'd go with me. I'd just go under the water, and she was holding on. So she had to have to go under and come up, you know, and we finally got her to where she was thinking about jumping off the edge of the pool. So I caught her a couple times. And listen, here's the deal. She had to make a conscious decision to jump in that pool, right? She had to have confidence in herself that she was going to be able to do this. At some point, dad had to let go. There was just no way I could hold her. And when she did that, when she finally jumped in the pool by herself, she loved it. And now she's on the swim team and she's a great swimmer, Right, But it all started because she made a conscious decision to do that. Church, we have to make a conscious decision to jump into this pool of life, to tell people about the gospel. At some point, the floaties have to come off. 
right? We can tell you over and over and over again how to share your faith. You can use the Romans road, Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And you can walk through that. Maybe you grew up in the days of um, the, four, the four spiritual laws. Or maybe you use the bridge illustration where you've got a big gap on this side and, and a big gap on this side and you're trying to get from one side to the other, but it's like larger to the Grand Canyon. You just can't get there, right? There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. But there's a bridge and the bridge is Jesus. And then you just get to walk across on dry ground, right? Maybe it's the three circles. Maybe you've seen that. Life on Mission app, you can Google that and find it. And there's three circles that talk about God's design. His original design was that we would be with him for all of eternity. But we broke that, right, by sinning. We broke that relationship. And in order to, we have to get back to him. There's all kinds of ways that you can share the gospel. But ultimately, at some point, you've got to just do it. I had the privilege a few weeks ago to go to India. And we were in Odisha, India. And while we were there, we, uh, we had the opportunity to go into these villages. And we would basically share three stories. The first story was our testimony. Uh, just what has God done in my own life that he changed me and allowed me to have a relationship with him. And then we share a hook story, a story from the Bible. is a story of the, the demon-possessed man who Jesus comes and, and casts out these demons into these pigs, and the pigs run off the side of a cliff and die. And it talks about the change in this man's life. And then from there we would talk about the, the gospel story, the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I think I preached that sermon here this summer. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when he saw Jesus, his life was changed dramatically, right? Here's a man who hoarded money, who lied, cheated, deceited, me, 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 me. And then he finds Jesus and he says, no, 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 no. And he gives it all back four times the amount that he had taken from people. There's this change in his life. And these people in India, when they would hear this story, their lives would be changed. We visited 56 villages in four days 800, 1,876 people were engaged with the gospel, and over 400 of them gave their lives to Christ. At some point, we've got to get out and go and tell people about Jesus. We've got to be willing to share what God has done in our own lives. Listen, the only way to salvation is through, a, is through the finished work of Christ, and the people have to put their faith and their trust in him. That makes sense, Right? that there would be only one way to be saved and that we as Christians are the ones who must give that message, that we must tell people who they, are, who they need in Jesus. If you had the cure for cancer and didn't tell anybody, what kind of person would you be? We've got the greatest news in all the world. Paul said in Romans 15, 20, my aim is to evangelize where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation." But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Do not be afraid. Number two, do not be silent. The verse goes on there, right? Do not be silent, but keep on speaking. Listen, the task is urgent. The task is urgent. Think back with me quickly through the book of Acts. This is the start of the church. The start of the church, Acts chapter 1. Jesus goes into heaven, and he promises his Holy Spirit to those who put their faith in him, right? And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you go on in Acts chapter 2. And what happens in Acts 2? 3,000 people come to know Christ in one day. And the Lord adds to their number daily those who are coming into faith in Christ. Why? Because they're devoted to Jesus. They're devoted to living lives where they continually share the gospel. In Acts chapter 3, Paul says, I have not silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Leaping up, this man stood up and began to walk. They had healing power. Acts chapter 4, we see the boldness of Peter and John. And when they saw it, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and astonished at the way they recognized because they had been with Jesus. Listen, it's not the job of the pastor to, to tell your neighbor about Jesus. It's your job. You're the common person. You're the one that's in the area. In Acts chapter 6 through 8, we see Stephen, a man who lives out his faith and does what? Gets stoned to death. By who? Paul. Not really Saul, but it's the same guy. And then in Acts chapter 9, you see this conversion of Saul, who is a man who just wants to do nothing but kill people. Kill Christians. Kill, kill, kill. And then Jesus gets a hold of his life. And there's this conversion on the Damascus Road. Right? And Paul comes to faith in Jesus. And now the same man who wanted to kill everybody, who stoned Stephen, is now a man who tells everybody about Jesus, who writes half of the New Testament. We see that in Romans chapter 10, a book that Paul wrote. Let me just read a couple of verses from Romans chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. And in verse 6, he says, The righteous based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven or who will descend into the abyss? What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And in verse 13 it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the kicker. How then can they call on him in whom they've not heard? How are they to believe in him in whom they've not heard? And, and how can they hear without someone preaching? As it is, those how beautiful are those whose feet preach the good news? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Listen, the task is urgent. We've got to go out and tell people about Jesus. It's a, it's a different Peter, right, from the one who was there when Jesus died, who denied him three times. And then you see there in Acts chapter 4, this person who is proclaiming Christ, who's healing people. Jesus changes our lives. And if all this is true, if Acts and Romans teach us about the gospel, if all that it says is true, then what does this mean for our lives? Listen, at most, one-third of the people on the earth claim to be Christians. That means that there are at least 4.5 billion people on the planet who confess to not being a Christian. 4.5 billion. The Joshua Project, a missions research company, estimates that about half of those are unreached. That means that as things stand right now, they have no real chance to hear the gospel before they die. They say if you line these people up, five across, that they would circle the globe five times. Listen, we sit under the gospel privilege every single weekend. You can hear it by turning on the TV or a radio or listening to a bazillion different podcasts. Picture in your minds five people across that many people marching to destruction with no chance of hearing the gospel. And I want you to reflect on that for just a moment. Each one of those people is just like you. They have emotions just like you. They were made in the image of God just like you. They have fear just like you. They get lonely just like you. They love their children just like you. They're going to hell for them is just a bit of a tragedy as it would be for you. Don't turn them into a statistic. 
Joseph Stalling, listen, I don't usually quote him either, by the way, but Joseph Stalling said this. He said, the death of one is a tragedy. The death of a million is just a statistic. What he meant was, when you look into the face of one, you see someone like you. You see somebody made in the image of God. Now, Stalling wouldn't have actually said that, but you see someone made in the image of God just like you. You have compassion for them. But when you turn them into a number, it just becomes a demographic problem. We're not talking about a demographic problem. Paul says we're talking about people. People just like you that are no less worthy of the gospel than you were when you heard it. It's just not right for us to hear so much and do so little. For those that have heard nothing at all. And so to the church, Paul says, how will they call on him and who they've not heard, and how can they hear unless they are sent? Listen, this is not something we have to pray about. I hear that all the time as a, as a pastor, I'm student ministry. What is God's will for my life? God's will for your life is that you would tell people about Jesus. You shouldn't have to pray about that. Listen, if you, I, I think I've shared this illustration before, but if, if you're walking around Columbus, even walking around the area here in Plain City, and you see a child on a railroad track, and they're disoriented or stuck. You don't have to pray and think, what should I do right now? God, in this moment, you don't do that, right? Your instinctive response is to help the child. Get them off the track. Everything in your power. You have the greatest news in all the world that Jesus Christ came and died for them. That he not only stayed, he did not stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later and he lives today. Right, we're in a season of Christmas. What better opportunity? You don't even have to think to work on this gospel. Everybody knows it's coming. What are we celebrating? The birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. You don't even have to come up with anything right now. You have an obligation to share. Right, we must tell people about Jesus. Let me conclude with two promises and some practical steps. When we respond in obedience... When we go on speaking, I think God gives us two promises. One, his protection with his presence. And number two, he promises to produce. So number one, his protection with his presence. Verse 10, what does it say in that very verse that we read? The one sentence. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. Think back to Exodus chapter 3. There's a man named Moses. Everybody's heard that name. He's standing in the, uh, in the, in the, around this bush, right? And all of a sudden, this bush catches on fire, right? Remember the story, the burning bush. I see a great sight. Why is the bush not burning, right? And Moses says, here I am. And in verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that you should be, that I should go to Pharaoh and tell people about you, that I should bring children out of Israel in Egypt? And Jesus said to him, but I will be with you, God said. Joshua 1.9 says, I not, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 5 for, for 10, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Verse 7, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for to whom all I will send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak, and do not be afraid of them. I am with you. Hebrews 13, 8, the same God 
then, the same God now. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a song by Elevation Worship called Same God. Go home and listen to it. Same God. We're going to sing it soon. I know we are because the youth sing it every week, right? So at some point, it's going to make its way right here, right? Because the youth are going to lead the way for us, right? Same God. The same God who healed then heals now. The same God who provided then provides now. The same God who saved then saves now. He's the same God. He will be with you. We must go on speaking. Charles Spurgeon said this, when we are told that Jesus is with us, we remember that his is a presence which causes intense delight. We have many, excuse me, we have seen many with money who are not happy. We have seen men with honor who are not happy. We have seen persons in power with the command of empires, yet they were not happy. But we have never seen and we will never see an individual who hath Jesus with them that is not happy. To be near him, to have him with us, is to have our fears relieved, our griefs soothed, and our wounds healed, and all our sorrows turned into joy. One drop of Jesus' love would turn the whole sea sweet. Listen, he promises to be with us. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Romans 8, we'll get into the New Testament just so you believe it. Romans chapter 8, 31, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or the sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Paul knows this, right? He's encouraged by this. Nothing could be more fit to cheer his spirit. Jesus was with him, approving, supporting, defending him, and this was a safeguard against fear. So not only does God provide his protection with his presence, God promises to produce. The end of verse 10, it says, For there are many in this city who are my people, which implies that there are many in Corinth who are going to come to faith in Jesus. Listen, there are many in Plain City. There are many in Columbus. There are many in the state of Ohio, especially after yesterday, that need the hope of Jesus Christ. Right? They need the, the gospel. They need to be encouraged on who Jesus is. Listen, we are sent to the people in our lives. The people in your lives are not there by accident. Right? When you say, man, I wonder where God has me. I wonder where God wants me to be. Right where you are. Right where you are, share Jesus with the people that are around you. There's no accidents in the kingdom of God. The people in your life can't hear and believe unless you speak to them. When you personally came to faith in Christ, did someone personally share the gospel with you? I guarantee it that they did. You heard it audibly. We have to speak the gospel. So I see this playing out in, in a couple different ways. Number one, we need goers and senders. We need goers and senders. What does that mean? To be a goer are those that leverage their careers, right? You work in business or maybe you graduate with a degree in nursing or teaching. What if instead of teaching in Columbus, what if you taught in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia? What if you moved to Spain or Argentina and did the same business job that you could do here or there and shared the gospel with folks while you were there? 
What if you leave your careers? Walk away from it entirely. Some of the greatest world changers of the past did that. Adonai Johnson, Hudson Taylor. I think about people right here from Life Point Church, Jeremy and Sue Haley, who now are in Spain, Bob and Amy Bachmeyer, who moved their lives to Colorado. Go on a short-term mission trip. Now, I'm, I'm pumped about 2023. We're going to have opportunities to go to Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Uganda, Spain, Argentina, India. What are the opportunities that God wants you to go on? Maybe it's just to serve locally, DNA Community Center right around the corner, Stowe Mission. Some of you already do that. Some of you serve right here, right, at LifePoint. We have opportunities to go. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, God has not called me overseas, right? Maybe, but maybe he's given you the means and the resources to send others overseas. Sending is a whole church process, right? We, those that help send should be every bit as committed to going even though you're not. Think back to Romans chapter 10 that I read. What does Paul say? He says, how can they hear unless we go? That's not what he said. He said, how can they hear unless they are sent? We need senders, right? Paul, Paul recognizes that. The urgency of the mission requires something from all of us. It takes all of us to be a goer and a sender. You can't have a goer without a sender. You ultimately can't have a sender without people that want to go. you got to have it all. Finally, number two, we, we can all pray. We can all pray that God would use our church, that God would put in the hearts of people that they would put their yes on the table. We can pray that, right? That's a right prayer, Life Point, that we would pray that God would raise up people from our midst. He did that to bring people just to here to Plain City. It's a great task. We spent all summer looking through the book of Luke. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, we prayed that prayer all summer. I hope that you're still praying that, that God would raise up people, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That God, pray that God would daily provide people to go and raise up messengers to go into, his, into this world to tell people about the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says that God desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. As I was thinking about that this week, I remember a video that I had seen, honestly, years and years ago when I was doing student ministry uh, that the International Mission Board put out. And I want to show that to you uh, this morning. And I, I pray that it's a good visual for you. Let's watch this. Let's imagine these Skittles represent the population of the world. 7.4 billion people. This means one Skittle represents about 17 million people. To help give you a sense of scale, this is roughly the population of America. And this is China. The world is a diverse and colorful place, making up around 200 countries and 6,000 languages. Now of all these Skittles, how many people in the world have never heard the gospel before? The short answer, about one third. That means of these six colors, both green and purple have never heard the gospel before. To help give you a visual, I want to explain something called the 1040 window. The 1040 window is home to the majority of the world's most unevangelized countries. 
meaning many people inside this box will go their whole lives without ever hearing the gospel. With so many still yet to hear, who will go and tell them? So I pray that's a good, I'm a visual person. I pray that's a good visual person, visual for you. If it's not, as you leave today, the, the, the guest central people have some Skittles that you can just take home with you. As a reminder, right, that one Skittle represents 17 million people. Million people. And yet there's 4.2 billion people who have never heard the gospel. May it be a reminder to us, right? Don't let them be a statistic. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the love that we have in Christ. Father, I'm reminded today, even as I've read this verse over and over and over, the importance to not be afraid, to not have fear in our lives. Father, to go on speaking, to not be silent, and to know, Father, that you are with us. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from you. You're the same God that was with Moses in the burning bush, the same God that was with Daniel in the lion's den, the same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. God, you're the same God today that heals, that brings change in people's lives. Lord, you are the only one that can do that. And you've given us the privilege and the, the honor and the responsibility to tell other people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, may we not be ashamed, but may we with courage go and tell others the greatest news this world has ever known. And Father, we know that you have many in this city that you want to bring to faith in you. And Lord, you want to use us to help do that. God, I pray for people in this room right now, Lord, that don't have a relationship with you, Father, give them, even in this moment as we sing, Father, just soften their hearts. Draw them to yourself. Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, as we sing, help us to be reminded of what you did in our lives, how you changed us. And Lord, give us the courage and the boldness to, to go out this week and share that with others. Amen. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name I pray.